Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We bring in David Lennon, baseball columnist from Newsday. Hey, Dave, how are you? Hey, Laurie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Um, so here we are. <laughs> in July, um, a few weeks from the trade deadline. And you know what? Let's start with... Um, We'll start with the Yankees and losing two out of three to the Colorado uh, Colorado Rockies as you come out of the All Star break. Um, I I keep wondering is is this rock bottom? So is this one rock bottom for the Yankees? Well, in, in last place uh, in the division, I, w- I would say that's pretty close, and, and losing to another bad team, which. They have lost to some bad teams this year. I mean, the Cardinals, uh, the Cubs, um, you know, they, they've had some pretty disappointing series. Um, and they've been on quite a slide, uh, not coincidentally, <laughs> since Aaron Judge has been out, who's been a big part of that. So I think the alarming part of today's loss, Lori, that you brought up as far as rock bottom, I'm, I'm sure there was no pun intended there in the rock part, but <laughs> they uh, was the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And that, as we all know, has been the the strength of this Yankee team and really has allowed them to stay, you know, in contention with the way their offense has been inconsistent uh, and even their rotation to some degree. It's really been the bullpen that's managed to keep them in these close games. And today was just basically taking in water everywhere. And that's something that was a little alarming because you know a team is going bad when you start developing holes in a lot of different areas. And I think if we start to see the, the Yankees' bullpen struggle, and again, this is really one meltdown, that's when you would start to say, whoa, this, this team is in much worse shape than we thought. Yeah, and that, it can go either way. You can look at it and say two of their better relief pitchers, Tommy Canely and Clay Holmes, um, have both been good. And sure. so you can shrug it off. Or you can say, well, Tommy Canely and Clay Holmes, and they combine to load up the bases and give up a grand slam home run. Is is that con- concerning? At a certain point, do you overwork a, a bullpen? Ron Marinaccio, who at times has been good for them, and um, you know, giving up the... Uh, the home run there at the end. Um, I had, you know, one thing else I was curious about that I had um, some fans on on Twitter, on social media, um, calling me to task for what I said on air. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're surprised because that never happens. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> is I was saying it was particularly painful to lose this game if you're the Yankees because you're, you had your ace pitching and Garrett Cole sure. Six innings, 11 strikeouts. Um, I thought that he really was pitching brilliantly um, on on Sunday. And I had somebody say to me, um, how can you call it an ace-like performance when it's so inefficient? 102 pitches, six innings, and you have to come out. Um, 
Am I, am I, have I recalibrated ACE and grading on a curve too much or do we just need to, and is it fair to call that, you know, ACE and ACE performance? Well, I mean, I, I think it's certainly fair. I mean, 11 strikeouts. I mean, that's certainly mm-hmm. going to, you know, as crazy as it sounds, that drives your pitch count up. You yeah. know, you, you're not, yeah. you're not getting, you're not getting quick out. Uh, so that, that does, um, make it a tougher go. And, but, Listen, in this day and age, six innings, I mean, that's, you know, the Mets are like, you know, 27 and five when they get that out of their starters. So, I mean, let's not take that for granted. You know, I mean, these aren't the days of, uh, you know, in the 80s, you know, when guys are throwing complete games or going, you know, beyond seven innings with regularity. Warren Warren Spahn's not showing up. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So, yeah, I think think that's a little unfair. I I mean, I, I think what... You know, what uh, Cole gave them today is really what he's been doing for them all year. And, you know, when you have the strikeouts there, you know, that, that's demoralizing for a team. And especially in a place like Coors Field, yep. you know, strikeouts are important. You know, you, you want to prevent contact. You want, you want to keep guys off the bases. Uh, you don't want them, you know, making contact, you know, and getting a chance to get a ball out of there or hit a ball into those huge gaps. And, you know, they saw plenty of both you know, today in the later innings. So, no, for the Yankees, for Cole to go that distance, you know, I, I would typically, that would be a layup with their bullpen. Uh, and it just happened today uh, that what Cole had been doing all year, you know, didn't work out for them because they had a bullpen meltdown. On paper, you know, you glance at this and you'll say, all right, well, the Yankee offense put up seven runs, so we can't blame them for this game. But they didn't start scoring until the sixth inning. And the first five they were going up against Chase Anderson, who on paper um, coming into this game looked like he was the, you know, argu- arguably the worst starting pitcher in baseball. And right. the Yankees managed three hits, no runs against him. Now, now, I mean, I didn't, Lori, I didn't see every pitch of that game. I was at the Mets today. But I, I will say there were a number of occasions where the Rockies were throwing the ball around, too. That, yes. that led to uh, that led to some runs for yep. them. So you know, let's not dismiss that either. I mean, the Rockies certainly gifted them. Yeah, two uh, errors. Some of those, yes, right. two errors. So, and they, when the Yankees finally, you're absolutely right, broke through in the sixth with three runs. Some of that was the Rockies' defense uh, looking like the bad news bears. Right. So I mean, they, they you know, but they took advantage of that. You know, which, which you need to do when other teams are going to make those kind of mistakes. So yeah, I mean. Uh, Listen, I guess that kind of segues in about, you know, what Sean Casey has done since getting there. And, you know, has the offense looked all that much different? Probably not, right? I mean, Stanton had a couple had a couple good days there. Um, but I think we're still seeing an offense, you know, that just isn't really the same, you know, that doesn't have the same capability, you know, with the be- without the best offensive player on the planet and, mm-hmm. and Aaron Judge. Yep. And I think that's going to continue to be a problem. You know, like you mentioned, against Chase Anderson, who's statistically probably the best, one of the worst pitchers in the league, uh, you would have think you could have even, you know, raked him, you know, right. worse than that. So, you know, across the board, you know, it was, it was a game they should have won. They put up enough offense to one. They took advantage of Rocky's mistakes. They got a great, you know, great starting pitching performance from Cole. Uh, and, you know, it, they, they coughed it up. And, and I think that's what, like you said, that's what makes this, that's what makes this loss feel so much worse than just another L in the standings. So, 
Where does that leave the Yankees a few weeks from the trade deadline? Um, Aaron Judge, I mean, if, if the Yankees are lucky, I haven't heard anybody speculate that he would be back anytime before, you know, call it, um, you know, a week or so into August. And that would be a, a good case scenario. Um, right. If you were advising Brian Cashman, in the Yankees, are you buyers? Are you sellers? Are you um, stay pat? Uh, stay just sort of stay pat as you are. I, I don't. That, I don't think they're going to be a seller. I mean, I, you're, you're talking. We're not talking about them being eight games out of a wild card spot. You know, they're they're right on the fringe. Or I think it's maybe a game and a half. Now. Game and a half out of the right, last wild right. card spot. Yep. Right. So I mean, come on. I mean that that that's in no position to be selling players off at that point. I mean, what you're looking at, I think, is what Brian Cashman usually likes to do. You know, he'll look for another bullpen arm, you know, which he always does at this time of year and, and, has, and has had some pretty good success, you know, finding those guys uh, and turning them into good pieces. So that will be an area that he will look at. And also, you know, left field remains, you know, con- continues to be um, a tough spot for them. So I, I think they'll, they'll look for some offensive help. Um, the anticipation is the judge will be back. Now, how soon that will be? And until he starts running at full speed, you know, it's going to be tough to figure out what kind of player he's going to be. You know, he took batting practice the other day, but th- there's a big difference between taking batting practice and actually playing in a game. You know, you need to run, you know, to do that. Uh, so I-, I think it's going to be, it's going to be at least, you know, like you mentioned around August one, I think that's a good date to circle. Um, if he makes it back before then, uh, that could be a bonus, but I, I, that's probably the, the date to look at right now. And I, it's going to be tough to figure out what the, you know, what the Yankees can get a hold of. I mean, what, who they're willing to part with, uh, what, as far as the big splash goes, like I mentioned, I, I think you are looking at a situation where they can maybe find some left field help uh, and a bullpen arm, but I really don't think you're looking at blockbusters, blockbusters like the, People have thrown around Soto and talked about Otani and things like that. I just don't see them being involved in those kind of deals. Do you expect players like, from what you're hearing, um, I know you wrote an article on Otani and would he be traded. Do you expect um, players like Shohei Otani or uh, you know Juan Soto with the Padres to be traded at this year's deadline? Uh, um, I mean, the Padres certainly don't look like they're a team that's going to wind up getting back in this race. They just look like uh, the Mets uh, at, with nicer weather. Right, right, exactly. So I think that, uh, I think in Soto's case, you know, there's another year of control there. So I, I feel like if the Padres think they're going to be contenders next year, and they have a lot of those guys locked up uh, to a lot of money, that, you know, I think trading Soto you know, turns around and, and, and being a not a white flag for next year, but I think he's the guy they want to hold on to. Um, we'll see what kind of offers they get, but I, I think he's a guy that they would like to keep for another year uh, and use him, you know, to try to stay in contention, you know, beyond this year. Uh, as far as Otani goes, I've kind of heard some conflicting things on that. Uh, I've heard some, and I know this isn't a secret because, you know, the owner, Artie Moreno, has talked about this publicly a while back, though, about his desire to hold on to him. And, you know, I think Otani still has value for this Angels team just to get people in the building, Yep. you know, just just to have something. So, 
their stadium doesn't become a ghost town for the next two months after dealing him. And the other problem is, how do you ever know if you get the value you need to get for an Otani? You know, it's so hard for a GM to figure out what's going to be good enough. You know, that's a very tough uh, determination to make. I hear you, but um, isn't it, even if it's not good enough for the player that is a, um, you know, truly the most remarkable player um, that, you know, of of our, probably of our lifetime, you know, right. for you and me, we, you know, I, I didn't see Babe Ruth pitch and hit, you know. <laughs> no, so, me either. Uh, this is like the most remarkable player I've ever seen. And right. So you're not going to win the trade. You know, there's right. always the conventional wisdom that the team um, getting the best player to trade, quote unquote, wins the trade. It's impossible to win a Shohei Otani trade. But right. are the, you know, looking at teams like the Nationals, who still are in rebuilding mode, but if you look at them trading away Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, you know, some of the players you get back, Josiah Gray is an example, one of those players that was part of the package of players, Caber uh, Ruiz. Um, but in the case of, let's say, Gray, you know, so there was a guy who represented them at the All Star game and is an up and coming pitcher. Like at some point, right. are. You're propelling. You're you're taking a chance to try and propel yourself forward versus sitting there and getting one compensation pick and that's it for Shohei Otani. I, I mean, don't you have to trade him if you're the Angels? I don't know. You know, I like I mentioned. I, I think there is value. I think the owner does see value in keeping him through the end of this year for the reasons that I mentioned. Yeah. You know, financially and getting people there to see him. And I also think, you know, there could be some thinking, and I, and I know Otani at the All-Star game, and I asked him the question about how serious he is about winning and how much of a priority that is for him in the next team that he signs with. And, you know, that's when he said that, you know, losing stakes. You know, I, I, I want to be with a winning team. Now, mm -hmm. could the Angels keep him for two months and then make a pitch to him at the end of it and say that they were going to work hard at building a winner? For him next year, if he decides to stay, that could be part of the conversation, too. You know, they still have Mike Trout, you know, who's, you know, before Otani came along, that many people considered, you know, the best player on the planet. So, or even Judge's ascension as well. So, I think if you do keep him, you do keep open a chance that you might be able to convince him to stay. People have said, aside from the, the losing and not getting to the playoffs, that he has liked it there. You know, they have protected him well, and he has liked Southern California. So maybe you can continue to pitch him to stay if you can convince him you can build a winning team. I think that becomes more of a long shot now that he's seen that, the, that he's never been to the playoffs and he's been trying to get there. So that becomes harder. It's, it's, a tough, it's a tough question. You know, we'll see what teams want to give up to rent him for two months. Um, it, that's going to be a lot, too. So I, I think right now, if I had to say it, I would say that he probably wouldn't be traded uh, by the deadline. You know, that, that's, just, that's just a hunch based on things that I've heard. But, you know, things can change a lot. We still have another two weeks to go before we get there. I don't know. Yeah, Dave, um, when you say he likes everything about the Angels except for the losing, it kind of is like, you know, Hey, Mrs. Lincoln, you liked everything about the play except for the part <laughs> where, yeah, True. you know, your husband got assassinated. Um, but, but other than that, it was great. Um, 
Well, before Trump, before Trump got hurt, the Angels, the Angels were in the race. All they, right, they were pretty. Close, I would so. if I if I were Shohei Otani's people and advising. Uh, I don't know. I, I would be telling him get yourself to the L.A. Dodgers and don't fall for anything that the Angels are trying to tell oh, you. Oh no! I mean, when you when you <laughs> say I'm, I was just talking from the Angels' perspective. I understand. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, do, no do, way. do I think he's do I think he's going to resign with the Angels? I would say no. Yeah, no way. So I I, I agree with you that he would <laughs> most likely wind up with the Dodgers or Giants. Yeah, but uh, uh, I would, I would I'm just shocked. saying I'm saying what I'm saying with the Angels the way they can look at it in the hope of getting him to stay. But yeah, but it's delusionary so, is all I'm saying. Um, I think it could be the case. Yeah. All right, so let's switch to the Mets. We're talking to Dave sure. Lennon from Newsday. You were covering the Mets today. Um, you wrote an article. I, I saw it online for Newsday, so I assume tomorrow's paper, mm-hmm. that is about how even in winning today, um, kind of a lost weekend. So explain, you know, for Mets fans who, uh, you know, I guess at this point it's, um, you know, enjoy each win, but this is sort of too little too late. I, I think that kind of sums it up, Lori. I mean, it, what I think we needed to see from the Mets and what the Mets needed to see from themselves was to come out of the break uh, and really kind of make a statement here this weekend. Listen, the Dodgers are no pushover. Sure. You know, they're, they're, they're a good team. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the Mets had their best shot. Mm-hmm. They, they had Verlander, Senga, and Scherzer going in this series. Really must wins, you know, to get them back into this race. Uh, and what they showed us was not a playoff team. You know, we, we saw Verlander flailing around walking six through five innings. Uh, and when he needed to Senga come up big. Senga looked good, uh, but, but then yeah, the bullpen was bad. Right. I mean, certainly it wasn't Senga's fault on Saturday. That was a whole different thing. I mean, that was, you know, poor defense uh, and no offense. So, I mean, what I basically said in that story was, listen, you know, the Mets had to show the front office who they are coming out of the break. uh, And what we're seeing from them this weekend is that it's not good enough. You know, this is not a team that's good enough to win two out of three going forward now for the next two and a half months. That they just they don't have enough going right all at the same time. You know, I mean, Nimmo basically provided all the offense for the yep. weekend. Yep. You know, Pete Alonso is, is lost. Yep. I mean, as I mentioned in the story, you know, since the end of May, May 30th, Lori, in those 31 games, he's hitting 143 mm. with six home runs, 15 RBIs, and an OPS of 595. He has an OPS below 600 since May 30th. That's crazy, you know, for, for what the Mets are used to from him. And listen, they can't be contenders with that kind of Pete Alonso. It's just, it's just not going to happen for that offense. And I think that's a real problem. I mean, once again, you know, he looked terrible at the play today. Yep. And, you know, give them the Dodgers pitchers some credit, of course, but you know, they need more uh, out of the offense than Nimmo hitting a home run every other day and certainly more from Verlander than they saw on Friday. And Scherzer was great today. You know, I, I think he was the eight, he put in an ace-like performance, but they almost kicked this game away mm-hmm. for using Trevor Gott in the eighth inning when they usually could have used David Robertson for two. So I, they just can't seem to put together consistent winning baseball. They did for a stretch before the break. That kind of gave you their last hope in winning six out of eight. 
But this weekend was a huge weekend for them, you know, and winning one out of three going forward is not, is really, it's not going to get them back in the race. You, you mentioned um, the way Buck Showalter used his bullpen on Sunday today and the Mets Mm -hmm. win two to one. They end up winning in 10 innings and David Robertson, who their closer, who's been terrific. um, Obviously he hadn't pitched in nine days. Right. He was fresh enough that they were, you know, he was available for two innings. Um, you know, you're questioning, which I understand, why would you, after Scherzer goes seven innings, why would you, um, trying to protect a lead, why would you go to... Um, you know, why would you go to Gott in that situation? Right. And that sort of raises a question I've been wondering a lot of this season, which is, does it? What happened to Buck Showalter? And you know, I understand that any every manager is only as smart as his players are good and execute. Um, but it felt like Buck had a greater sense of urgency of win the day last season and a feel for that. And this year it it seems more of the saving guys for later and the next series or the next game and getting, you know, more people a chance and all of this. Is that how it's striking you? There has been some of that. I mean, I know it was, there was a stretch much earlier in the season. I think it was, you know, more than a month ago now, maybe even a month and a half when there were a few games back to back where his bullpen management was really called into question he was using you know high leverage guys when they were losing by a run you know so people were kind of questioning that you know the the bullpen has been pretty much in disarray you know for a lot of this year aside from Robertson it seems like when Diaz went out you know that kind of cast a bit of a pall over the bullpen as a whole Robertson has been great like you mentioned but that's really been it you know, I mean, who else has really been reliable back there? Ottavino, maybe to to some degree. I mean, Drew Smith, and you know, I, I think Rayleigh has been decent in the spots that he's been used in. But, you know, I think today, like I mentioned before, I mean, these games right now are, are must-wins, you know, as we kind of go in towards the trade deadline. And today, I mean, Robertson hadn't pitched, like you mentioned, you know, in like eight days or so. And there's a day off tomorrow. So I, I would say it just seemed natural that for the eighth inning, just bring in your best guy. Let him finish off these two innings with the one-run lead, you know, and, and that's that. But went to Gott, <laughs> score got tied, brought in Rayleigh to bail him out, you know, and then eventually used Robertson for two innings anyway. So it, it's just that's just kind of the stuff, you know, that is this season has kind of been plagued with. I blame that to some degree, like I mentioned, the bullpen being in disarray. And and I think in that case that, you know, Buck has tried to protect guys and he said on occasion, well, the stuff you guys don't know about with guys I'm trying to protect. And it's like, well, you might as well just be upfront with it because otherwise, you know, we're just going to say that we just don't understand some of these bullpen decisions. So I think it's been a little bit of a tough spot and and basically it it hasn't worked out for them. So, is it safe to say that after losing this series, if it wasn't clear before this, that the Mets need to be sellers at the trade deadline? Is that what you expect? I, I do. I, I, talking in absolutes in mid-July, 
you know, I, I've learned from the past is a very, you have to be careful with that because uh, teams can certainly boomerang back to life uh, and figure some things out. It's kind of what I mentioned in my column for tomorrow is that how tough it is to write an obituary for a team in mid-July. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, right now for this, this big feel-good win that they had today, uh, which they needed to, to stop a four-game losing streak and to take one from the Dodgers, you know, it trimmed their wild-card deficit from nine games to eight and a half. You know, the Diamondbacks yep. moved into third place. So what are we talking about here? You know, it's trimming – Getting a win and trimming half games off your wild card deficit is going to take you a long, long, long time to get back into the race at that point with five teams ahead of you. So, yeah, I, I'd give them, I'd give them through the end of this week uh, and see where they're at. Like I said, I'm not going to say sell, sell, sell right this second. Uh, they're certainly listening to offers on their players, so all that stuff is on the table. But I still think they have to see what this team can do through the next week. See if they can chip away at a couple games. See if a couple other teams cool off. Um, so, yeah, they're gathering information right now. They're talking to other teams. They're seeing what players they can move. Uh, and if they look up, you know, a couple of days before the trade line and they're eight games out of the wild card, then, yeah, you're going to see players stop moving off the shelf. That there's, there's little doubt of that. I know everybody wants to say that right here and right now. Uh, but here on July 16th, you know, they don't have to do that right this second. They they can, you know, think they can beat up on a pretty bad White Sox team coming in. Uh, then they have the Red Sox at Fenway, who have actually played pretty well lately. So let's let's check back in a week from now and see if we're still looking at eight games uh, and the deadline bearing down. And then I think you're going to see a lot more movement at that time. What you won't see is them buying players right now. I think I think that's pretty. Uh, I think Evidence. that's pretty obvious, yeah. right? And they, they just don't have the resources to do that either down in the minor leagues to do um, anything of significance. And Max Scherzer, seven innings, only gave up the one hit and, you know, six strikeouts against this Dodgers team. And after the game talked about, you know, he struggled at times this season with the slider, giving up home runs, all of that. Is it as simple as just putting mud in his cleat? <laughs> <laughs> like he said, because the mound was wet, so it was sticking. The mud was sticking to the bottom of his cleats, therefore making his feet heavier, so he didn't lift his lead leg up as high. So then, when he knocked the mud out, because he had the muscle memory to leave the, the front leg down, so the slider would stay down. Well, it seemed to work. So I'm certainly not going to argue with a three-time Cy Young winner and a future Hall of Famer about what works for him or not. What I will say is we've seen Max Scherzer kind of fluctuate, right, between looking like he looked today and then getting pounded on a different day. So, hey, maybe he did fix it. But I, I think we've learned from, the, from Scherzer's time in Queens that, especially in the second half of the season, we're going to see him potentially go through the aches and pains that service with a guy who's going to turn 39 uh, later this month. Um, and I think I'd be surprised to see just start after start after start, him doing what he did today. I'm not going to rule it out. He's done it in the past. But from what we've seen him in the Mets uniform, you know, and at his age, I think that's going to be tough to do. So we'll, we'll see if he can go out and prove it again next time out. 
Last one before I let you go, then. A lot of Mets fans who speculate, you know, oh, the Mets should be sellers and they should sell off Max Max Scherzer for um, some other organization's top prospect. You know, maybe not top, but very good prospects. Um, given him, his contract this year and that he has a player option for $43 million for next year and that, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, he's about to be 39 um, the performance has been up and down. And even last year at the end of the year, the year before with the Dodgers, the dead arm, all of that. Right. It, it, you know, how likely do you think it is that the Mets actually um, can, would trade Max Scherzer and get back um, anything of real value? Well, I mean, you're talking about a guy, Lori, who has approximately $60 million left in guaranteed money coming to him at 39. And we've seen him miss all this time with injuries. How much is Steve? Steve Cohen has already said that he's willing to eat a lot of money on, on huge contracts like a Scherzer and like a Verlander, you know, do they have to basically trade Scherzer for free in order to get a top prospect mm-hmm. back? Probably. I would say, I would say pretty close, mm-hmm. you know, yep. because that's, that's a pretty big gamble for another team. And, and, Teams don't want to move their very top guys. I mean, it has to be for no-brainers, like a Juan Soto in two years of control. You know, for a 39-year-old Max Scherzer, who faded down the stretch, you know, with the Dodgers and also with the Mets last year, you know, is that worth that kind of gamble? You know, so I I think even for Cohen, you know, to pick up that much money – I don't know. It's tough to say with a team on the other end what type of caliber prospects they'd be willing to give up. And when you talk about moving Verlander and Scherzer too, Lori, here's another thing to think about. Who's going to pitch for the Mets next year? You know, are we just talking about a team that's going to be rebuilding next year? I mean, who do they have coming back? Senga and Quintana and Peterson and McGill and maybe Mike Vassell, one of their top pitching prospects. Those are the pitchers you're looking at under control if you manage to move Verlander and Scherzer, which I think is going to be difficult to do. Um, I don't think it's a bad strategy trying to move both those guys, considering uh, the money and the age and what you've gotten from them this year. But, man, you know, in putting together rotations for next year, you know, that raises a whole new set of questions again. So they're in a tough spot when, when it comes to starting pitching here. Um, I'm not sure what the best case scenario is. Well, this is the best case scenario. That Verlander and Scherzer both pitch like three-time Cy Young winners from now until the trade deadline and make those decisions either the Mets have managed to claw their way back into, say, four games out of the wild card race, or they found two guys that they can get pretty decent hauls back at the trade deadline, and maybe that's in the conversation. So. We don't know that right now, but I, I think that's something that uh, is worth watching and, and something really, as far as Mets fans go, you know, certainly something to root for in the, in the, ne- in the, next, cup, in the next couple of weeks. All right. We're talking to Dave Lennon from Newsday about the Mets, about the Yankees, about the trade deadline uh, approaching us. And uh, Dave, appreciate the call. We'll catch up with you soon down the road. I hope so, Lloyd. Have a great rest of the show. 